Hi, I'm Tristan Miller, and this is Positive and Negative, a podcast about the intersectionality between mental health and the arts. Today's guest is comedian and writer Hannah Boone. We have a discussion about her experience with borderline personality disorder and growing up with parents who met in a psych ward. Here she is talking about recovery and social dynamics. I, the thing is, at this point in my life, I'm so therapied. (laughs) Like, I mean, I'll never be recovered fully, like, and I'm medicated now. Okay. Which has been, I mean, a really good lesson for me was I was, like, on and off medication, wasn't sure if I needed it, but, like, this past summer, like, my relationship with my boyfriend was so rocky. Like, it was so bad. I tried to break up. It was so bad. And, like, a few months after being on medication, our relationship is, like, wonderful and great and easy. But it's, like, it's, it was such a clear portrait to me of, like, I need to take care of myself, basically. Like, right now I'm taking care of myself. I'm even keeled. Like, I'm so hyper aware of my own behavior. But when I'm not treated, I, people, I mean, I've lost friendships. Mm -hmm. I lost a very big friendship this summer. Mm -hmm. I've lost, like, yeah, like, definitely I can see... My thing with borderline or any sort of mental illness is I think if you're with someone romantically or a friend has a mental illness, if they're not treating it and they're not going to treat it and it's bringing you down, you do have the right to walk away, you know? This podcast is made possible by your support at Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash Tristan J. Miller to get exclusive access to bonus clips, content, and more. All right, let's get to the interview. But you started uh, comedy in Los Angeles, right? I did, yeah. That's where I was born and raised. Oh, really? Yeah. What was um, the catalyst for starting comedy? I wanted to do it since I was like six years old. And Mm -hmm. then I went to community college, even though I didn't want to. And a few (laughs) weeks in, I was doing... I, I was doing math homework, and I was like, I'm never going to use this. I hate this. And I just, like, put down the homework. I was 17, and I went to uh, open mic. And yeah. was like, this is what I need to do. <laughs> wow. That's that's ballsy. That's yeah. a ballsy decision. I've dropped out of school twice. Yeah. I've just, I kept, I kept being like, okay, I guess I'm supposed to. And mm-hmm. then I just kept being like, I don't think so. Well, I mean, you seem to be moderately well adjusted. You know, yeah, so, I'm okay. I'm all doing know, all right. Yeah, you're alive. You're not, you know, you're up, you're alive, you're employed. So there's mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. Um, but so you wanted to start it from very early age. Really yeah. early. Yeah. What was the catalyst for that like growing up were you watching a lot of comedy or no i don't know what i just wanted to make people laugh Mm -hmm. and then for a while when i was like 10 years old i thought i wanted to be an actor and i was Mm -hmm. like well actually though i want to write what i say and then i was like oh but i want it to be funny and then it just sort of was like oh that's (laughs) stand-up comedy yeah (laughs) Yeah, got it (laughs) and you grew up in los angeles Mm -hmm. and you grew up with parents yeah that um they met in a psych ward right yeah mm-hmm. yeah can you talk a little bit about that oh yeah it's nuts they so they met in a psych ward my mom was married at the time and she brought my dad back <laughs> you were say she was married in the psych ward oh <laughs> no I, i'm pretty sure they don't allow that <laughs> yeah <laughs> um 
Why not, though? Honestly, yeah. it's boring in there. You should have activities. <laughs> um, but so they, she brought my dad back to her and her husband's mm-hmm. house and just said my dad was just a friend. And then her husband quickly found out that wasn't true and there was a whole blow up and then my dad and mom like ran off together. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was utter insanity. It was just yeah. bad idea after bad idea after like so many bad ideas. You're like, you kind of give up and you're like, okay, fine. <laughs> I'm a bad idea machine. Yeah, I yeah. As well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was it like, do you think during it like an episode of something where they... Yeah, I mean, they definitely left the psych ward, you know, with the doctors being like, we'd rather you not, you know. And so, I mean, it's like constant episode happening. Do you think, uh, do do you know if they were there voluntarily or were they issued like... Um, they were both non-voluntarily. Yeah, um, but, you know, the maximum you can keep someone non-voluntarily is 72 hours. So yeah. after three days, you can sign yourself out. Yeah. And then they did. And then they got married. Mm-hmm. What was that like growing up with um, that situation? Well, it felt normal. Like, yeah. you know, because it's all I knew. But looking back, it's definitely, like, I had to learn through a series of, like, when I was, like, in my late teens, early 20s, I would, like, share a little fun anecdotes where people's reactions would be horrified. And I'd yeah. be like, oh, so that wasn't normal. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Like what? Um, it was super chaotic. Um, just, like... Well, first of all, like living with different people, like li- I would live with an aunt or I'd live with a friend or I'd live with. And then it turns out, you know, it was like it was either Child Protective Services moving us around or my parents just kind of like going and like having to go to the hospital. So we'd stay with someone. But I thought like I, I thought everyone was hopping around the way we did. Like uh-huh. I just thought kids did that, you yeah. know. So like to me, that was just like normal, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, what were they in for? Um, my mom has delusions Mm. and she's also depressed and has attempted suicide a lot. And then my dad, um, it's always unclear, but he has like rage problems and he, I think paranoid schizophrenic, Mm -hmm. um, he shows signs of that. Okay. Uh, Yeah. So I think specifically what they were in for when they met, I mean, I think my mom had attempted suicide and my dad was just like having like rage episodes at that time. I see. Because they were still like young and it wasn't as progressed. (laughs) So it was still cute, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You get that like (laughs) eight year window where you're like, ah, that's just a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just quirky and I drink a lot. It's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's still fun. Most people call it college. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah. Uh, That makes sense. How. Did she attempt suicide while you were a child? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How was that? Like... I, get, I didn't know. Like, she... Did, she covered it up? Like, I think I wasn't home, because, again, mm-hmm. I was, like, not home a lot. Yeah. And then um, I, my dad took me to visit her in the hospital when I was a kid, and I remember her getting, like, mad that I was there. And, uh, like, I think she didn't want me to, like, see her there. And then, like, looking back, it's, like, all these things. I'm like, oh. And then as an mm-hmm. adult, she has two. Yeah. But, again, she lives across the country, I found out later. So, yeah. but, um, yeah, like, I, it was all these things that I just didn't, I was just like, moms do that, you know? I was like, that's sure. a dad, you know? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. And that level of instability, does that make you anxious? Um... 
I have, I've actually been dealing with anxiety, like, on a real way, like, for the first time this year. Really? I think in my life. Yeah. I've had other issues, mm. but, like, anxiety was just never one of them, and now I just turned 29, and, like, now I'm starting to be like, mm. oh, anxiety, which mm-hmm. I just read is a response to trauma, like, growing mm-hmm. up, like, if you're trauma, I'm like telling you something. It's like everyone knows, but like, <laughs> like okay. if you're traumatized and when you're older, like you're naturally more anxious because your brain is like, there's things to be anxious about, mm-hmm. which I didn't realize. Yeah. So, uh, why do you think it's finally showing up now? I mean, part of it is, I think, really career driven. Yeah. I think it's like you get to a scary point in this. I mean, I guess in any line of work, mm. but like in this one, it's so, it's just like people that I was doing open mics with, some of them are on TV and like, yeah. I'm like, why should I, what am I, am I doing this right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, and you freak and then you have good moments where you're like, oh, I'm doing it great. And then the next day you're like, fuck, I'm not doing it good at all, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so I think it's a lot of that up and down is like really contributing to it, honestly. Yeah. Um, But I mean, there's probably something deep, more deeply rooted that I'm not aware of. Well, I mean, maybe, but a lot of this line of work is stressful. It's insane. And yeah. it never, like, I've always just had this blind delusional confidence yeah. in it where I'm like, I'm fine. And now I'm starting to be like, what if I'm not? Yeah. Do you think it has anything to do with the fact that uh, 30s approaching? Yeah, maybe. It could definitely. Because at like 22, you're like, I can fuck around and it's cute. Yeah. You know, you could be a failure and people are like, oh, you're just 22. Yeah. And now it's like, I don't <laughs> it's know. It's fine to skateboard still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> if you're still in your skateboarding years, yeah. literally you're invincible. Mm-hmm. You can just get high and play Skyrim. It's chill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. But now I'm like, and the thing is, is all my eggs are in this basket. I never did anything else. So it's yeah. like, I'm doing this. So I, you know, there is something, it's like, it's not necessarily bad to be 30 and chasing something, but it doesn't have quite the same ring as 25 Mm. and chasing something. Yeah. You know, so it doesn't sound as good. Yeah. Um, Do you think you're still chasing it and you haven't like arrived? Because like, you're doing gigs constantly. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I do still feel that I'm chasing it. And also... But that's the trap, right? Like, I yeah. feel like in this state of mind, no matter what I get, I'm going to feel like I'm chasing it. Mm-hmm. So I think it is a matter of just enjoying it and yeah. being like I'm doing it and it's good. Yeah. I, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, what if I get everything I ever want and I'm doing it? And what would it feel like to not have to work this hard? Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, I don't know. I I would think I would go insane or maybe I would just start getting high in a pool again yeah. like, uh, or something. Like I understand I think why a lot of celebrities go nuts. It's because you're like there and you like work so hard and you get there and then you're like you're on the top of the mountain and you're looking down and there's only one way to go. I think it's also like I think I think the more things you have the harder you have to work too. Like I think that like like when I was doing open mics and there were no stakes ever and there was mm-hmm. no applying to writer jobs and there was no big shows that were high stakes or any of that, like I was working really hard. I was grinding, but the stakes were just lower. Yeah. And I think the more you rise, the higher the stakes are and then the harder work it is and the harder it is emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like building an audience also, like, is a source of constant anxiety? I ask because mm. I do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, every time I think I'm doing it right, mm-hmm. 
every time I think I'm doing things right, there's a new thing. There's like, oh, but are you building your brand in this way? And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, no. And then it's just like, if I think I'm building a brand, then it's like, oh, well, have you, are you, you know, are you doing, like, it's just like every time I think I have my ducks in a row, it's just yeah. like, oh, but are you doing this? Yeah, are you, are you on, on TikTok? TikTok? Yeah. <laughs> sickening. Sickening. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know. And I'm like, I don't know if you feel this. Like, there are uh, several comedians that I know that are like recently blown up online for mm-hmm. various reasons, good and bad. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know if you have this compulsion to harbor that hate in oh. your heart. Oh, yeah. Do you think it makes, do you think social media makes it harder to be like a comedian and like okay with where you're at? Oh, yeah. I think it makes it harder to be a human being and okay yeah. with where you're at. I went off social media for a week recently and God, I, f- I didn't even miss it. I Did I check my email a million times a day? Yes, but. That never goes. <laughs> I had to replace it with something. Yeah. But I felt so much better. And then the minute I felt better, you know, someone in the industry um, who I was talking to was like, well, you can't do that. You have to be on Instagram. And I'm like, mm-hmm. ugh. And then that stressed me out even more than yeah. looking at Instagram. But yeah, I mean, I-, I can be in a great mood. And the minute I look at Instagram, I see somebody like post something that's quote unquote better than where I'm at and then I feel bad. Yeah, yeah. I I absolutely understand. Um what I'm trying to do, I you if you have an iPhone you can set like time limits. Yeah, I do that and then I press ignore yeah, the time same. limit. And yeah. That's, my, that's been my problem. But um also if you get like Hootsuite, mm-hmm. like you don't look at the feed, you just draft tweets or posts. Oh. And you can just send them out and check at the end of the day, how they did. That's great. Which is what I'm trying to do because it is like, it just eats away at you. It's poison. It's poison to feel that too because, you know, like I try to remind myself other people are not my competition. Yeah. Yeah, and also like someone's success is not your failure. Like if someone... Like, there is enough success, like, for us all. So it's like, mm-hmm. if somebody succeeds, it's, it's like, a lot of people are getting things I wasn't going to get if they didn't get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's fine. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to win a women's comedy festival. Right. So, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. calm down. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. You, I wasn't going to get that Emmy this year. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. it's, like, fine. There's always a voice in my back of my mind. It's like, why don't I have an EGOT yet? Yeah, What's yeah. going on? Uh- <laughs> I know. Well, it's because we work so hard so hard and so Mm -hmm. I'm like how hard do I need to work but I think it's just a matter of things aligning and they align in their own time and as long as you don't quit you're okay yeah which is for me almost more frightening of like will I finally get it when I'm 50 that's what I think and then I get 30 years of doing what I want Mm -hmm. and then I'm gone I'm done which is like that's morbid but like whatever we'll just keep going I guess yeah um but you mentioned in the we did a show together you mm-hmm. mentioned in your act that you deal with obsessive compulsive disorder mm-hmm. when did that start rearing its head oh, very young i remember being a very very small child in preschool and mm-hmm. i would be coloring with a crayon i remember talking to my mom about this actually and like if i couldn't get every white spot on the page i just i was like i described it as an itch i can't scratch yeah i was just like and and backpacks like tortured me because I needed symmetry. Mm-hmm. And I remember when it was cool to wear your backpack on one shoulder. Yeah. And I couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I had that too. Yeah, I was so upset by yeah. it. Um. So it's you're comfortable. Are you comfortable with it and how you navigate it? I am now. It used to really disrupt my life, but when I've tried to be like 
when I've like been on medication for it and it just didn't seem necessary for me because I was like, you know, I can kind of deal with it. Okay. Like I like the obsessive compulsive aspect of like it helps me work hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I obsess about work until it is done, mm-hmm. um, which is good. And then with other stuff where it's like, like there's two chairs right now mm-hmm. where I'm sitting and I chose to sit in one and it's like sometimes I used to sit. Or I used to stand in front of chairs and be like, which one what can, do I sit in so no one dies? Yeah. And now I can just be like, it's not real, it's not real, it's not real. I'm okay. just like, sit down. Did you go through any therapy to get to that point? I've been in a ton of therapy. Um, uh-huh. I wouldn't say therapy is what helped me with that. That I just kind of had to do myself because I was like, it's too embarrassing touching a pole five times in public. Like, I have to like figure. I, in high school is when it started to embarrass me, of course, yeah. when everything's embarrassing. And, yeah. yeah, and then I started to figure it out from there. Well, then why were you in therapy? Oh, my God. Well, I'm borderline. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that for many, many years. I just, mm-hmm. I went into an intensive therapy program last year. It was a year mm-hmm. long. And now I go once a week. Uh-huh. Um, group therapy and individual. And uh, so, like, borderline, it's just basically you're a mess <laughs> yeah that's a tough one that's really tough and a most therapists like 80 percent of therapists won't treat it yeah because a lot of people with it are seem like you it's not treatable it's not manageable you're just a mess a mess mm-hmm. for the rest of your life and yeah and it's ex- it's borderline is exactly what people talk about when they say quote-unquote crazy it's yeah. like exactly what they're talking about mm-hmm. yeah so how did you get that diagnosis I went to a therapist a couple years ago because something just wasn't right. I couldn't, like, stand how I felt anymore. Like, everything. I was depressed one minute, rageful the next. I was drinking myself to death. I was just, like, I couldn't. I was self-medicating. I I couldn't handle my... I couldn't keep a job. Like, nothing Mm, was manageable. I couldn't stay employed. So I finally went to a therapist, and she was like, I can't help you. I think you are borderline. Mm -hmm. But then she sent me to this amazing program here in New York, and my insurance covered it very luckily. And so five days a week, I started going to this program. Um, And it has helped, like, immensely. DBT has helped immensely. Mm -hmm. Um, It's been, like... It's been really, really good. What's DBT? Um, dialectical behavioral therapy. It's basically, it's it's actually, it's rooted, the Marshall Lenahan, the woman who developed it, based it off um, Buddhist principles, but it's basically mindfulness, meditation is huge in it, and it like, they basically teach you tools. If you are at a level 100 with an emotion, which is mm-hmm. huge with borderline, our emotions are just too too big yeah they tell you what to do in case like break glass in case of emergency like basically like count you know counting stuff and 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 like step-by-step things you can do to help change your behavior it's very like hands-on and practical which i like yeah yeah Mm -hmm. um and what was the rest of the summer camp (laughs) it was interesting man it was group therapy is interesting i've never done that how's that well it is a space to be brutally honest it is very interesting Mm because it's a place where you go to learn about yourself so people will look at you you know and like i got to tell people like i don't like you and we got to like explore why i don't like that person to their face is crazy yeah and like your therapist like the purpose of group therapy is so a therapist can see how you react in social situations or how you act Mm mm-hmm and so it's very and you project like your family onto people it's very interesting mm-hmm. like if you hate it taught me that if i hate somebody for no reason mm-hmm. the reason is me and there is 
like they might remind me of somebody mm-hmm. they might have a mannerism that reminds me of somebody they might mm-hmm. like if i ever hate someone i have to think about like okay why do i that's me yeah. you know it's, it's not you it's me yeah 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 but yeah. like for real yeah <laughs> absolutely i'm um, not that, that tracks a lot how open well you're open on it about it now on the thing that's going to go on the internet yes so um like do you do you find people avoid you because there's a lot of apprehension and stigma attached to it yeah there is a lot of stigma attached to it um i the thing is at this point in my life I'm so therapied (laughs) like i mean i'll never be recovered fully like and I'm medicated now. Okay. Which has been, I mean, a really good lesson for me was I was like on and off medication, wasn't sure if I needed it. But like this past summer, like my relationship with my boyfriend was so rocky. Like it yeah. was so bad. I tried to break up. It was so bad. And like a few months after being on medication, our relationship is like wonderful and great and easy. Good. But it's like, it's it was such a clear portrait to me of like, I need to take care of myself, basically. Like, right now, I'm taking care of myself. I'm even keeled. Like, I'm so hyper aware of my own behavior. But when I'm not treated, I people, I mean, I've lost friendships. Mm-hmm. I lost a very big friendship this summer. Mm-hmm. I've lost, like, yeah, like, definitely. I can see my thing with borderline or any sort of mental illness is I think if you're with someone romantically or a friend has a mental illness, if they're not treating it and they're not going to treat it and it's bringing you down, you do have the right to walk away, you know? Yeah. yeah. The thing I've said is kind of the whole bit of mental illness is that it's, it's we're annoying. Like, yeah. We're yeah. difficult to deal with. That's- difficult people, absolutely. Like, I, I acknowledge I'm difficult. Mm-hmm. Which is, I think, one of the first steps to being able to really, really function. And, yeah. like, acknowledging what behaviors um, are bothering people yeah 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 Uh, how do you feel about like like do you find that people are on your side or um i feel very lucky that most of the people um in my life currently are on my side yes um uh that's come from some cherry picking recently some pruning of my social group Mm -hmm. um for a while though i was like living with people that were like "You're, you're a fucking idiot you know and like clearly didn't like me but i would i have that neediness within myself to want people to like me and for everybody to go along i'm i'm someone who is like i just want to keep the peace i don't and so i was doing so much to try and win over these friends and i'm like if you're trying to win over friends they're probably not your friends yes yes absolutely and that is key what you said i think is like today now the people in your life support you same with me but for years i mean i also went through like huge most of my life uh you know addicted to drugs and alcohol Mm -hmm. those people definitely weren't my friends i was hanging out with (laughs) them like this i was like this 40 year old man's my best friend and it's like no he's not trust me he's not um but i but you know you're giving something to him yeah you don't know you're doing (laughs) yeah 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 yeah, exactly but it's like now i can say like after taking care of myself yes the people in my life like absolutely support me Mm -hmm. and i try to make sure that i don't break but that's the problem with mental illness right is like if someone's mentally ill and acting up to you you're just like what an asshole like people are like what a dick and it's like oh no i'd like need help kind of yeah please (laughs) you're working very hard how does this 
situation get in the way of work and being a comedian? Oh, God. I can get in the in the way. So I mean, it really hit me this summer. Mm-hmm. I didn't even realize. Like, I had stopped going out. If mm-hmm. I was booked, I would do the show and then immediately go home, which is, like, fine sometimes. But yeah. I really wasn't going out. And then I stopped getting booked. And I was like, why is my career sinking? Like, what's happening? What's happening? And it's like, oh, you were depressed and inside your house for months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I did not even, like, realize I was isolating. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it can affect me. That that was huge. I am not motivated to write if I feel like shit. If my, like, if your emotions are swinging from feeling like, like, from grief to elation to, like, to, like, rage, like, how could you possibly sit down and, like, write something? Like, people, I think, are disillusioned with the idea of, like, the mentally ill artist, you know, who's, like, people fear going on medication and they fear, like, therapy because they're, like, how will I create if I'm stable? And it's, like, that's when I can create. Yeah. Is when I'm feeling okay. But, like, yeah, when you're sick, it's, like, impossible. Absolutely. Um, What led you to start medication? Um, I had a manic episode Uh um like and i've always definitely had signs of bipolar and yeah yeah. i I would say a lot of people who have borderline personality disorder also exhibit symptoms of bipolar disorder yeah it's it feels like to me and maybe i i don't want to add anything Mm -hmm. you know negative to this it feels like to me if you have bipolar disorder and it goes untreated for long enough you will develop borderline almost yeah they're so similar yeah it's so hard to diagnose like i've been diagnosed with bipolar a lot and then Mm -hmm. i finally got diagnosed with borderline and borderline can't really be treated with medication it can a little but there's not enough research done yeah but i finally this august things really fell apart in this one week Mm -hmm. i couldn't i didn't sleep for five days oh my gosh i was like hallucinating i was going Mm -hmm. crazy i showed up to work my boss made me take a nap because she was like whoa yeah and i don't know what but i mean that's when i like lost one of my friendships i tried to break up with my boyfriend Mm -hmm. i was going i didn't eat i was going crazy and i finally went to my psychiatrist and was like i give up like because in the program I'm at, they make you see a psychiatrist, even if you're not on meds. And I was finally, like, waving the white flag. And I was yeah. like, I think I need help. I just need to sleep. And he yeah. was like, hallelujah. <laughs> like, thank God. <laughs> yeah. Let's get you on something. Yeah, please. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, I find that's very common. Like, it's, and that's how I felt when I started taking medication. Like, I've tried everything else. Mm-hmm. Fuck it. I've tried everything and you get to a point where you hit a bottom. Yeah. It's like, especially if that's torture, not sleeping. Like I was like, I will do anything to yeah. sleep now. I've taken three NyQuil, nothing. Yeah. You know, it's also wild when you're in those moods, like how very little things will, like nothing will help mm-hmm. you fall asleep. It's, it's like literally insane. It's, well, it's like, horrible. And I mean, the thing with medication that like I go back and forth with is I'm like, it's this big industry. I don't want them. Yeah. Them, you know, like you're they don't want the them hook. pushing me mm-hmm. but i mean i have to say and it's different for everybody but speaking for myself i mean the meds changed my life yeah. i feel so much better good yeah so yeah. um you mentioned uh drug and alcohol abuse mm-hmm. how long were you doing that and how was that like oh i started drinking at 12 damn and not you know heavily because a 12 year old can barely get their hands on alcohol but like mm-hmm. i was i was um drinking whenever i could 
And then I started heavily drinking at like 17. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, I I started getting sober at 24. Mm -hmm. Um, When I moved to New York. That's a good start at 24. It's a good start, yeah. And I mean, over the course of the last five years, I've probably been drunk four times. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've relapsed. But um, like, I mean... When I moved to New York, it was insane. I didn't sleep yeah. for a day. I would black out for four days. Wow. I would go to bed on a Monday, or I would drink on a Monday and then, mm. like, wake up on Friday. Like, it was just insane. And it was and no so dangerous. Recollection? No recollection. That's happened a lot. Wow. That's yeah. frightening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would, like, my money would be gone, or, like, it would turn out I, like, took a bunch of drugs I, did, I had no control over, you mm-hmm. know? It was so dangerous. And the older I get, the more dangerous I realize it was, yeah. you know? At 24, you're like, whatever, I'm immortal. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah, and how did that affect your comedy career at the time? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't do it. I moved the first year I came here, I did, com- like, I don't even know how often I did comedy. That's the funny thing, too. We're talking about, like, I get stressed about where I'm at, and it's yeah. like, well, you spent a good five years of your life really just doing drugs. And, yeah. like, you know, I started when I was, I started comedy when I was 17. I, like, dropped out basically when I was 19 to 24 to do drugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I took a sabbatical. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I had to take a break. Yeah, I fully understand that. I think about that all the time of, like, I, I fell into a pit for about, like, three or four years mm-hmm. of, like, Luckily, just drinking too much. Not mm-hmm. nothing too bad. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm like, if I got those four years back, Ugh. where would I be? And it's also like, also if I'd gotten what I wanted at that early age, I'd probably be dead. Yeah. No, you know? exactly. So I think about like, that too. Which is worth it. Um, yeah. How'd you do you get sober? Are you doing any programs? You. I went to AA at first, which really helped. Yeah. I'm thinking about going back. Um. Yeah. It, it feels like a cult, and that's my issue with it. It's like, I don't want to... It feels like I would get sucked in, yeah. specifically with someone who's, like, prone to grandiosity. Yeah, and yeah. And feeling like you're connecting with God. Like, I sure. don't think I want to get sucked into that. But Yeah, abs- it's very religious. It's yeah. very... I mean, in New York, it's way liberal here, so it's a little more spiritual than anything. Okay. Um, I just like the principles. Like, I took... The principles of it and try to work the steps in like the that are basically just like step seven's like be humble mm-hmm. step you know nine is like say sorry if you hurt someone like yeah. these are just good principles you know what i mean <laughs> these are just good like meditate yeah it feels like a lot of them are just like what you learn in kindergarten and they, they forget and you have to like addicts like they say our brains stop developing at the time we start using like maturity Mm. wise and like i do need to learn kindergarten lessons i fucking forget to think about other people i forget to like be kind (laughs) you know and i'm not an AA now because there is an aspect that summer can't be that i just can't stomach yeah i really can't but i mean it has also saved lives it really helps people so i can't trash it too much Mm -hmm. but yeah there's aspects that bother me as in you know Mm -hmm alcoholic (laughs) yeah i mean that makes sense like it's you know it's like everything else if it works it works and if it doesn't it doesn't right you know right um but i am i am currently in a non-religious um recovery program that i go to once a week Mm -hmm. and and they really help i mean there's options out there definitely Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and how do you feel about like being on medication and being an addict do you think you're developing 
Like, are you just replacing one thing with the other? I don't feel like that. Um, I'm not getting high. You know what okay. I mean? Like, these drugs make me feel normal and sober. Okay. Um, These drugs don't make me... Although, it is funny. I still have the compulsion when I see my psychiatrist. Like, yeah. I saw him recently, and I was like, I'm feeling really good. And he was like, well, then we'll keep your meds the same. And I had the compulsion to be like, no, I should probably do more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I'm like... And it's like more of what... It's like these don't make me feel high. Like, that's the thing. It's just like... I'm like, no, I need more of this thing. I want to feel more normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me more. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, no. No, forget. Yeah. I, I fully understand that. Like, and as well as, like, as someone, like, it's tricky. Um, At least, I, I think, a lot of the times, like, speaking personally, like, I was given a benzo for anxiety. Oh, well, that's different. And yeah. I'm like, ooh, we gotta watch this. But it is also it, incredibly helpful. But, like, at what point am I gonna be like, okay. Now that you're healthy, you talked a little bit about this. How's the work going? Like, do you feel comfortable with it? Or do you think you were funnier when you were a mess? No, definitely not funnier as a mess. Definitely incomprehensible rambling when I was a mess. (laughs) Definitely not. No, it's better now. And I'm also able to go out and socialize as much as I do have social anxiety. It's, it's like I went to a party last night and Mm -hmm. a show last night and like networked in a way that I cannot do. Which, you know, I hate networking. But I did it in a way that, like, was human and normal. Like, I can't leave my house when I'm a mess. And if I do, Mm. it's embarrassing. People are like... Like, it's so so interesting being on the inside of mental illness. Because I won't know that really anything's wrong yet. Mm. And people will look at me and be like, are you okay? Yeah. And I don't know what they're talking about. You know, it's so interesting. Like, I... Like, people who are messes often cannot see that they are a mess. Yeah, because you're like, this is how I live now. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I was living, for two years, I was living in a basement with no bed frame. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is fine. Me too. Me too. Like, this is whatever. You know, I'm not getting much sunlight, but I'm fine. Uh-huh. And people are like, mm-hmm. Oh, no sheets. I brought a guy over to one of my apartments once, and he goes, did you just move in? And I was like, no, I've lived here for two years. And it was because my room was empty except for a bare mattress and yeah. i was just like this is life yeah <laughs> <laughs> like it's fine uh um what sort of techniques do you use like to combat not just the besides the compulsive but like all the other like you're talking about the uh, what is it dbt what mm-hmm. what are those can you get more into like how that that works mm-hmm. my favorite thing of dbt i did the other night mm. is um if you have a bad habit let's say you smoke cigarettes sure <laughs> let's say i do um, <laughs> um but i don't like to right mm-hmm. so i'll write down like if i smoke a bunch of cigarettes i can go back and be like um or i like eating disorder tendencies too and if i indulge in that i can go back and be like there's this chain that they do where it's like, what were your vulnerabilities? Like, was I overtired? Was I sad? Was there an incident that happened that made me feel bad? How did I react to the incident? What, and it just makes you be present and look at the chain of events that led up to that habit. Mm-hmm. So next time the inciting incident, let's say someone said something mean to me. So the next time someone says something mean to me, instead of like immediately falling into a pit and smoking cigarettes, I can, I can look at the chain and be like, okay, mm-hmm. where can I stop this so I don't do the bad habit? Mm-hmm. It's things like that. Very practical, like, let's break down everything. Let's slow it down. Because, mm-hmm. like, with borderline especially, your emotions go from zero to a thousand, like, yeah. in a second. So it's, like, a big goal is to, like, just slow everything down and see what you can do so that doesn't happen. Yeah. 
if that made any sense. Yeah, no, it did. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think it comes, frankly, do you think it comes from your folks? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Borderline, like, there's such little information on it, but, like, a, they, it's a part of your brain, the, emo, the emotion regulation part of your brain, which I don't know the name of, is the size of a teenager's and an adult. Interesting. And it comes from trauma. It comes mm-hmm. from having to respond to emotions constantly. Sure. Having high emotions running constantly. Yeah. And then that part of your brain just stays underdeveloped because you're like, well, I need these high emotions to know if I'm in danger. Yeah. So, I mean, absolutely. Thank you, mom and dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I definitely wasn't going to grow up without problems. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All things considered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'm lucky at this point that this is where I'm at. Yeah. But, uh, you know, but like the cool thing is like the bar is so low. Like people in my family are so impressed with me. <laughs> They're like, you're not in jail. Congrats. <laughs> like I'm doing great. People think I'm the greatest. <laughs> good, 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 good. <laughs> I'm a miracle. Yeah. Um, and you talk a lot about all this stuff on stage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When did you make that decision? Um, when I was 26, um, I wrote one small joke about it. It got a huge laugh and it wasn't even that great of a joke, I remember. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. And then my boyfriend at the time was like, you need to talk about this on stage. This is what people want to hear. And I was like, no, you know, and then I started doing it and people really do want to hear it. They laugh. And so every now and then I'll be at a club with tourists who are not so into it. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, people I'm develop. I'm writing an album now that's an hour of Great. just family stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, I kind of want to scoot it away and start writing normal stuff again. But yeah, I have that temptation too. It's like I, I'm working on an hour that's all about bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, this is going to be my first one. Great. And then where do I go from here? Right. I, I yeah, I want to write about silly stuff I notice outside again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I want to look outside, not inward. Yeah, please. <laughs> but it is we are in this moment in stand up where that's what people want. They want vulnerability more than anything, more than I would say jokes. Yeah. Which is fascinating. It's this weird hybrid of a of a one person show on comedy. Yeah, people want to connect. Yeah, which is not bad. And I think it frankly, I think it kind of comes from the internet. And the fact that you can get jokes on Twitter. Yeah. But yeah. no connection. Interesting. You know, and it's weird that people just decided to go to comedy clubs instead of the theater. Yeah. Which is where traditionally that's been. Yeah. But um, how comfortable were you when you started? Talking about my family? Yeah. Um, actually, in really comfortable. I think I, I wouldn't say comfortable. I would say numb. I like to the idea that I was being vulnerable. Mm. Like, I'm very, like, as long as people are laughing, I don't feel vulnerable. Hmm. When those jokes bomb, Ooh. it's so much worse than a regular bomb. Oh, for sure. <laughs> um, when the punchline is, I want to kill myself, and then silence. You're like, well, maybe. Uh, maybe I do. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely. Now I'm just, like, saying these things to you. Like, it's yeah. become a dramatic speech at yeah. that point. So, but if people are laughing, I have never felt vulnerable while people laugh. Mm-hmm. It is a very good shield. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if they don't laugh, it's a huge bummer. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have a specific process of like, I can make this funny? Like, do you have, how do you know when something can be funny? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I start writing it out. 
And I can definitely, like at this point, I have a very finely tuned sense of what is too dark, what needs to be made funnier because it's so dark, what can't be made funny. Mm -hmm. Um, I think timing is huge. Mm. You can kind of say anything you want if you have a punchy end to it, you know? Like you can kind of... um, Audiences have surprised me. Like I talk about my disabled brother losing his virginity and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. people like have surprised me at how much they're willing to like laugh at these things. But like sometimes you have to really plow through. Like sometimes I have to keep going until I make people laugh at yeah. it, you know. In my experience, it's like it's the same as any other comedian. Within that first joke, you have to know whether or not they're on board. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. I, I have certain tester jokes that I'll say. Mm-hmm. And if they how they respond to it, I'm like, oh, this is how you're gonna respond. Okay. Um, but I I commit like you just commit like, and I also like try <laughs> to say my jokes in a way where I'm inviting people to laugh, where it's more like rather than beating them over the head, I'm like, this is cool, we can laugh at this. Yeah, like yeah. let's do that. Yeah, you seem very relaxed on stage and like almost like you're like. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I got this funny story for you. So this one time. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Rather than someone who's like, listen to me. Yeah, I'm going to shock you. It's yeah. like, I'm not trying to shock people. I'm trying to be like, hey, this is what happened to me. Yeah. Um, But like, this is, but then I make it relatable. I'm like, all our families are crazy, right? You mm. know, like, rather than like, fuck you, my parents are nuts. You know, <laughs> it's like, no, let's, let's like all come together and talk about it. Yeah. Um. How, how's the album coming? How have you pick? how are you picking the jokes to put into it? It's been good. I'm picking stories. Um, it's, it's a little, it's a huge challenge for me actually, and it's freaking me out, but I'm breaking it down into little steps, but Mm -hmm. I'm not really a storyteller, Mm -hmm. but it's gotta be stories. It's like stories of my childhood, stories of like my twenties because of my childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm breaking it down, but like, I don't know, I'm just kind of remembering things that have happened. And I also have been working on a book, so I'm kind of taking essays from that book and being like, oh, that's a good story to use. Mm-hmm. Um, How can I punch this up? Mm-hmm. And I have a director who's like oh, great. helping me, my friend, um, and he's like helping me work on it. But I just started finally like breaking it down into the way I write stand-up, which I think is going to be good. helpful. But yeah, just like basically... Uh, you know, stories from my childhood, stories from my 20s that are clearly mm-hmm. related to things from my childhood, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So. Um, what would be the biggest piece of advice you'd give to someone who's dealing with your kind of situation going into either stand-up or the arts or just mm-hmm. in general? Um, I would say just keep, like, keep it really simple. Like, what always brings me back is just, like, do it because you love it and mm-hmm. that's it. Like, don't worry about the extras because when you start worrying about where you're at status and and where Mm -hmm. other things like that it ruins it so just like try to enjoy it that's fair yeah Mm -hmm. that's actually um something i needed to hear today i've been going insane so thank you for that good um so thank you very much for doing this i really appreciate it yeah thanks for having me Enjoy the ride.